Hello and welcome to Basel Talk, the courage and creativity of ADHD. We're your hosts. I'm Jen. I'm Ellen. And I'm Annette. And today we're going to talk about substances uh, and how that relates to ADHD and uh, where it can be abusive, where it uh, can sometimes help, sometimes hurt. And we're going to dive into this uh, discussion right now. So I went about uh, this topic because I personally struggle with substance. I wouldn't say it's substance abuse, but it's uh, on it's on the borderline. And uh, talking about it in a public forum is kind of uncomfortable. But uh, I felt like this is something that is very common in ADHD. And when I went to go do some research, I found out that that's in fact the case. And uh, people with ADHD are five to 10 times more likely than people who are neurotypical to create substance use disorders. And uh, that statistic was shocking to me. Wow. So I went ahead and I jumped on the uh, ADHD women subreddit and I asked the group, uh, you know, tell me, does anybody want to share what substances are are you addicted to? Uh, how did that present? How do you think that ADHD, you know, conflicted with that or, you know, made made it worse? And then what treatments or therapies are you using to help yourself get out of that if you are? And so, and it was really enlightening. And so uh, first off, we're going to talk about our own personal struggles. And uh, so... We're going to start with Jen because Jen has the least amount of struggles <laughs> of the three of us. And so yeah. Jen, tell us uh tell us about any uh any substances you might use and how does that <laughs> impact your life? Okay. So, first of all, I have to say that I'm kind of I feel almost left out on this one because not only <laughs> is it an ADHD thing to have substance issues, but damn it, it's a writer's thing too. I'm supposed to be an artist, <laughs> god damn it. I am supposed to be jaded and black at the heart and I'm supposed to drink myself into an early death, but I cannot because I just I really don't like the way it feels. So, you know, just left out of this game. But no, but in all seriousness, um, I use marijuana products to go to sleep. Um, in a previous episode, we revealed that I do I do this also for sexual reasons to help me keep help keep me focused in the moment. And also, I kind of think it might have to do with some past trauma that has to do with that, that as well. So um I don't know exactly where the line is, though, like how much would I have to use it for it to be considered abuse and all of this. So and and I really didn't even think about that until Annette was like, hey, why don't we do a show on that? And I was like, oh, what am I even going to say? <laughs> and so, you know, I, I use that, but I I haven't been a habitual nicotine user or a habitual alcohol user or, you know, any other fun recreational drugs that people talk about that sound pretty amazing actually but but I've just never done them um <laughs> how how often do you use marijuana um nightly okay do you feel like usually, you can't function without it um 
if by function you mean go to sleep, <laughs> then <laughs> um, then yeah-ish. I mean, I it depends on how tired I am. Like there have been nights when I've skipped out on it because I felt completely exhausted. And I was like, you know, maybe I, j- I just don't think I need it this time. Um, but most nights, probably like 95% of nights, um, I've struggled with like long-term insomnia. And um, a lot of products like over-the-counter sleep aids will make me feel so tired the next day that I can't function after I've taken them. So um, including certain doses of melatonin. So like I seem to be just really sensitive to stuff and um, and marijuana products don't have that lingering next day effect. (laughs) Right. Uh, Do you, so you're using it as for medicinal purposes, basically. Uh, Have you ever felt that you're using too much or had any guilt or shame attached to your usage of marijuana? Um, there was a time when I was in an abusive relationship where I was using it at nighttime to go to sleep, but also sometimes in the daytime just to feel any kind of happiness or joy at all. Um, Mm -hmm. I was in a really, really deep, dark spot and like, it just didn't seem like I could feel happy unless I was just not even present on this planet. Like if I was so high that I was like, I don't care about a goddamn thing. So um, sometimes I would blow off steam and like try to escape by doing that. And that's when I started thinking maybe this is not a healthy thing, but I wasn't totally sure about it considering the scenario and why it was being used. But, you know, I also had no problem stopping it once I was out of that situation either. So yeah. I don't know. That was really on the you line. Go. You did join the ADHD <laughs> substance problem. Yes. Like, you were a member if of only, the group. <laughs> if only for a few years. <laughs> yeah, but I think you I think you hit on a really important point that when you're unhappy or like when when something is stressing you or bothering you, it's really easy to run to a substance that m- makes you mm-hmm. your mind quiet for a minute yeah you know yeah yeah especially when you have happen to be blessed with the combination of adhd and complex ptsd and you just cannot stop the intrusive thoughts and the memories and stuff like that and it just like sometimes you need it to stop you just need it to get off your back in general Mm -hmm. so um you know i wasn't shy about using it for that but you know what excuse me my goodness once I once I didn't need it anymore it just kind of I was like well whatever you know (laughs) easy come easy go yeah how about you Ellen yeah so I'm also a cannabis user I I would say yeah nightly pretty much uh but you know to like answer one of those questions I, I I don't feel like I need it I don't need it to sleep in fact for me it kind of has an opposite effect it kind of especially depending on the strain but it sort of helps me (laughs) focus and think more and so Mm -hmm. if I need to get some chores done you know it's a lot easier to wash dishes when I've got a nice buzz (laughs) yeah (laughs) or it it just uh you know it 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 does help kind of I guess relax also but you know just kind of enjoy myself uh so you know, mm-hmm. I've got that going on, but I would say, uh, you know, what I, something I got into about, uh, probably about a year ago actually was nicotine 
and I've never been a cigarette smoker. But so when I was working at a bakery, I was having trouble staying on top of my task list. You know, I, I wasn't able to get everything done in time because I couldn't stay focused <laughs> and couldn't prioritize and all the other problems that we have. But uh, I had been listening to a psychology podcast. I can't remember which one, but they had a doctor on there talking about nicotine and how nicotine can actually act like a like a nootropic, which is like a cognitive enhancing drug, I guess, basically is what that means. And so I was like, oh, how interesting, you know, and he would explain that when he'd go to a boring seminar or meeting, he would pop in a piece of uh, nicotine gum, you know, just a low dose, like two milligrams, and it would help him stay focused. And so I was like, well, I've seen that in stores before. Maybe I'll just give it a try. Why not? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and here's the thing. It fucking worked. It really did. <laughs> yeah, I was telling you earlier too that I have a friend who has ADHD and like she just she just is popping Nicorette all day and it helps yeah. her focus. And exactly. she's Exactly. Yeah. So I it really does help me focus on a task and get that done. And I know there's a lot of controversy around nicotine, of course, and you know, I will admit that yeah, at some point eventually I did give in and and bought a vape because they're just so popular, and <laughs> I thought it, it. You know, that was a that was just an impulsive decision, I I guess. And uh, unfortunately, I ended up liking those too. But so uh, nicotine, I, I would say, yeah. At this point, I I might actually be addicted. It's been been a while since I've had to go without it for a day. You know, like I probably should test myself at some point. But uh, <laughs> do so, I have a problem? Yeah, yeah. So. I'm not I'm not saying this is a recommendation for people listening to try nicotine, you know, because it is an addictive substance, you know, but uh, it's just it's interesting, you know, do do your research. There's a lot mm -hmm. of new research on it showing that in low doses, it may actually help your brain a little bit. So I yeah. thought that was interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that, I've, I've seen some of those studies, too. So, uh, I yeah. mean, if you have any questions, if you have a therapist, you, you know, you can also ask your therapist what their uh opinion or views on that right is. well i mean i feel like if anyone went to their doctor and was like should i try nicotine they'd be like fuck no you know so <laughs> possibly I could, yeah i, I could yeah. be wrong but i think uh, the most of the problem with nicotine will come from the, the smoke inhalation of it like mm -hmm. uh I, there are there are negative health effects uh for nicotine but if i'm I, i'm i could be wrong but yeah, i feel yeah. like that's kind of it's safer to chew it than to smoke it is uh, i i oh, kind of makes sense to me yeah putting anything in your lungs besides air is probably not a great idea <laughs> so i actually have a weird insight on this one i i you know don't do nicotine products at all but um most i have a ton of family members who do because one whole side of my family with only a couple of exceptions are adhd people it's a very strong trait in our family so um, I actually was speaking to a relative of mine who, um, had to quit. She, you know, has COPD and, um, she just made the decision to stop cold Turkey and, and do the, uh, the gum, the gum instead. And she talked to her doctor about it. Um, you know, like how much should I do, you know, what would be like, does it, will it cause me gum cancer or something like that? And he said, no, it's all of the cancerous um, aspects of nicotine use are associated with 
smokable items. So like when you chew it, their nicotine itself does not cause cancer is what my understanding was, but I'm not totally sure. I think it's like the tars and all of the other stuff, the well, additives. Chewing, to- chewing tobacco will cause, can cause uh, mouth right, cancer. Right, but chewing tobacco also, chewing tobacco it's also has doses. Additives. Yeah, and it's in yeah. higher doses than the gum so, is. So. Don't quote me on that because obviously yeah. I'm not a doctor and I'm hearing this information <laughs> secondhand us. from somebody who is also not a doctor. So <laughs> it's like, you know, that much farther removed. So definitely ask a medical professional before you try this. Yes. Yeah. And I think yeah. cigarette, cigarettes, cigarettes themselves have a really high amount of nicotine. I think, don't they have between like 20 and 100 milligrams or something like that? Or, um, oh, wow. I, I can't even remember, but you know the gum comes in like two milligrams and four milligrams, and so it's it's pretty low. So, uh, yeah, that, okay. It, I, and I definitely went through a phase where I was drinking more alcohol than I should have, and I would say that in the last couple of years, weed has basically replaced that habit because I don't like hangovers, and weed, there's no hangover in the morning for me. Okay, yeah. just for informational purposes, there can be anywhere between eight milligrams to twenty milligrams of nicotine found in a single cigarette. Oh, I was way off. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it everybody. Is, it it is higher than the nicotine gum. So Okay, yeah. Still twenty milligrams is a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. Yeah. Thank you for fact checking me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the internet is for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Did you ever, with alcohol, did you ever feel like you had to drink it, though? Uh, That's a tough one. No, I never got to the point where I felt like that. No, it was more like I just wanted to feel something else in my head. I wanted a different state of mind. I didn't want to be sober. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess that leads into my my (laughs) issues. Um, I live in Japan, and... Marijuana is not available here, so uh, my uh, substance of choice is alcohol, and uh, I drink pretty much every day. Uh, I and I'm a great drinker. I'm a very strong drinker, but I don't drink like crazy <laughs> every day. But I can drink a lot. Like it's it's insane how much I can drink. But uh, I the last time I went a day or a couple days without drinking was when I was really sick with the flu. Mm-hmm. And then as mm. soon as I felt better, I was like, it's bureau clock. <laughs> and, uh, so I, you know, I go through periods of time where I'm like, I should take a break. And then I think, okay, today I'll take a break. And then it gets to the evening and I'm like, just one. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, <laughs> one turns to two and two turns three and, you know, and, but you know, I'll do this thing where I'm like, okay, I'll have one beer, but then I'll get shochu, which is like, it's basically Japanese vodka and put it in ice and water. So it's like, I'm having water. It's okay. And I'm basically (laughs) drinking like watered down, you know, vodka. And I'm like, but it's lower in calories. So it's fine. And I don't even want to know what my liver scans are. Uh, but I do feel like I have to drink to mm-hmm. just shut my brain up at the end of the day. Cause it's like, I'm constantly just like, there's so much, there's like this coming in and then this coming in and then I got to do this. And then I got off track here and I got to come back. It's like, 
if I drink, I could just sit there and go <sighs> and mindlessly, you know, just sit there and kind of be in the moment, which I can't be anytime else. Mm -hmm. And so hmm. I, and I can't get myself to go to sleep if mm -hmm. I don't have it. And so recently I've, I've like, I have a two rule, two and done. So I have a beer, one glass of shochu, like one cup of shochu. And then I'm like, okay, done. Because by then I'm still, I'm feeling the effects of it. And it's like, you don't need to keep going, but it's like, uh, it just becomes like a sensory thing for me. Uh, mm -hmm. Drinking, drinking oh. anything is a sensory issue. So it's like, once I start, it's like, it's just, it, it brings, it, it increases the dopamine reaction mm -hmm. because it's like it's like that just just even drinking and so i found if i switch it out with like carbonated water or uh you know just plain water I mean, i'm still sitting there drinking watching my show and you know getting my chill on at the end of the night but i'm not overdoing it because when i overdo oh, it i'm exhausted the next morning and I, you guys know i work like an insane person and so mm -hmm. when I'm exhausted, then that increases my stress and it increases my anxiety. And then <laughs> I feel like I need the alcohol at the end of the day even more. And it's like, this, oh, man, it's this endless cycle. And so I had to put these like guardrails up for myself because I don't know if I how I could do it without without be having some kind of medicine or something mm -hmm. because I don't know how to relax. So do you, I have a question. Do you just drink at the end of the day or do you ever find yourself drinking in the middle of the day or in the morning or anything just to kind of, you know, I don't know, get a break? Uh, I never yeah. drink in the morning. If I have a day off, sometimes I'll drink from, you know, in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. Uh, but not like from the afternoon to the evening. I mean, I'll have a beer and I'll be like, yay. And then yeah. I'll go through some more <laughs> of my day and then it's nighttime and I pop another beer. And there's nothing better to me than that, like, psh sound mm -hmm. <laughs> Ooh, at the end of the day it's just like heaven it's bliss that's, that's okay. a dopamine hit right there just cracking it, it is. open just that mm -hmm. sound is like yeah. <sighs> and then that first drink of ice cold beer it's like yes it's, mm -hmm. it's like magic <laughs> it is magical yeah yeah well i mean because i feel like most people that are functioning alcoholics or whatever you want to call it. I feel like most of them probably drink during the day too, I would imagine, you know, not just a nighttime thing. I, I'm just trying to make you feel better. I think. Oh, well, I, yeah, I do have guardrails up, so I'm not like, I'm trying not to overdo it, but I mean, the mm -hmm. thing that has got me kind of, you know, I looked up the, a, a couple months ago, I looked up the statistics, the statistics on uh, drinking and it, it's like um, the, the amount you should drink for a woman is like three, no more than three glasses a week uh, to, uh, to Whoa. have like very low risks of heart disease and cancer. And I was like, <laughs> I drink like triple that. <laughs> I drink two a day, man. Like, and so it's like, Oh God, like, and I have nine year old kids, you know? And it's like, and my husband is a heavy drinker. He's not an alcoholic. Like he doesn't drink from the morning or anything, but he is also a heavy drinker. And it's like, mm -hmm. it, it got me thinking, it's like, you know, what, what what's going to happen if, you know, we get sick or something. And so I started getting a little concerned about that. And it's like, I do, but I'm kind of at a loss. I just don't know what to do because mm -hmm. that's right. my, 
that's my thing. That's my like go-to. And I don't know how to replace that or what to do. And so that's where maybe from what uh, even Reddit said, you know, a lot of uh, uh, the majority of my responses were like, weed, <laughs> weed, <laughs> weed. Um, we had, we had an addiction to uh, reading and video games as well. And uh, also oh. eating was another one that came up, which mm -hmm. is can be an, an mm -hmm. addictive behavior. But it's like um, the majority were uh, people who are addicted to marijuana. And it made me think. And I was like, well, what is it about marijuana that, you know, is so appealing to the ADHD brain? And I was <laughs> like, oh, well, marijuana kind of just slows you down, mm -hmm. you know? And so... It also gives, if, if, if it's a habitual thing, it will still give you that dopamine hit. Oh, and yeah, it makes, definitely. And, and also, this article said that, you know, people with ADHD, we, we, we have sensory issues. And so we tend to be uh, more sensitive to chemicals and, re and react differently to chemicals than neurotypical people. So mm -hmm. weed can make everything just more enjoyable. I feel like alcohol does that for me. It just makes everything mm -hmm. more enjoyable. It's like, I don't mind doing, you know, menial labor when I have a drink. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. It's really unfortunate that it's not legalized over there yet. Or Yeah. Because yeah. it's probably better than better for your health than uh, A lot alcohol, of people think but... so. A lot of people think so, especially in the, you know, ingestibles form. Edibles, tinctures, yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um you know, the oils RSO that you can ingest. Yeah. So I know it's a shame that it's not available over there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really is. That's what yeah. happens in places where weed is legal. People drink. And, and in Japan, yeah. it's interesting because people drink a lot here. Like it, it's, it's like, it's shocking to go back to America and see how little Americans drink. Hmm. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, that's hmm, funny because no, like <laughs> compared compared to Japan, you you guys have nothing on us. Really? Oh, it's oh, it's a whole culture. It's it's the thing to do here. Like you, when you want to go out with your friends, you don't just go out with your friends. You go out drinking, mm -hmm. and so it, it's it's a culturally acceptable form of, of substance abuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, the majority of people are, you know, drinkers and, yeah. you know, it, and you know, it's a social thing. Exactly. It, that, that is so true. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe in maybe in a few years, Japan will be like where the U.S. is or, you know, maybe longer than that. Who knows? But I mean, that's, that's right, longer than that. Was. Yeah, that's how it was in the U.S. for a really long time. Like, I know, you know, we're. We're all millennials. Growing up, drinking was the social activity. It was the yes. thing that you did with people. And now that cannabis is being legalized and more accepted, and I think I think more and more people are kind of realizing, like, oh, I don't think I want to drink alcohol as much anymore. You know, that's, yeah. it's becoming more socially acceptable to not drink, basically. Yeah, and well, Japan Japan society moves like a glacier. So. <laughs> Traditional. <laughs> Yes. So I'm not, I have no high hopes to, uh, for Japan to legalize weed in my lifetime, but, um, Oof. 
it is what it is. But yeah. um, it was interesting, That's so strange though. to me. <laughs> like, because, yeah. I, like, I don't know if maybe this is just, like, my perception of Japanese and their healthcare, but, like, it seems like Japanese healthcare is more geared toward natural sorts of remedies. Or is, no, no, no I've <laughs> no. heard wrong. I've heard wrong. Um, they do <laughs> use Chinese medicine. They do use what's called kampo, and it's uh, Chinese medicine. And so oh, like, I'm probably you... getting it mixed up. <laughs> yeah, well, if you get if you get a cold or something like, uh, and mm-hmm. I had, uh, I had, after I had the twins, I had some hormonal imbalances, and so they gave me the compo, and it tastes like shit, and uh, it's absolutely Did it awful. Did it work? I don't know. I couldn't keep taking it. It was just nasty. I was torturing myself <laughs> every day. Uh, natural is sometimes gross. Yeah, but Japanese people will go to the hospital for like to the we we call it the hospital, but it's the doctor's office. Um, but uh, Japanese people will go to the doctor's office for like anything, like a cold, and you get like ten prescriptions for a cold. They'll give wow. you like, Whoa. oh, well, this one takes away the inflammation, and this one is for the sore throat, and this one is for this, and this one's for this, and this one is a stomach medicine to make sure that all the other mes- medicines don't. A mess up your stomach and so it's like you come home with a bunch of different medications and so for the most part i don't really huh. go to the doctor unless i'm dying so <laughs> that's cool though yeah. all right <laughs> well and it's cheap because we have socialized medicine so uh yeah you know it's cheap to get it but it's uh mm-hmm. it's too much so i'll be like i don't need that i don't need that i don't need that okay the antibiotics that's what i need so <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so do you feel like you're wanting to make any changes like in your alcohol consumption or are you feeling like you're good? You feel confident about your boundaries? Like, I don't know. It sounds like you've just been doing some thinking about this lately. Yeah. Well, and that's why I asked you guys the whole question about, do you feel guilty about it? Mm. Because recently I have, I, like oh. I do, I, I do feel a little bit of, shame and my my husband's because my husband's a heavy drinker too and because it's part of japanese society my husband who's japanese is like you're fine you're fine it's fine and uh yeah you know there's nothing wrong with you i yeah i drink like a bunch more than you you're you're fine but uh but i'm you know i just turned 40 this year and I'm concerned with aging and I'm concerned with my life, my longevity in life. And mm-hmm. so it, it got me really thinking. And especially again, since I have uh, my nine year old twins, you know, it's like, you know, I want to be around for their life. You know, I was 31 when they were born. And so I, I was already kind of an older mom. And it's like, I want to be there for as much of their life as I can. And if I keep doing this if I keep with this lifestyle is it gonna hurt me in the end mm-hmm. and so I don't know. know yeah I exactly know. it's so hard to know what if you gave up drinking something that you love and you were just hit by a bus in a few years and you're like damn it I could have been drinking this whole time you know <laughs> if, if you'd known that was gonna be your fate <laughs> yeah oh my god you never that's know so what funny the thing, I don't know you never know what the one thing that's gonna kill you is or you so... stop drinking and then you die of like yeah. a heart disease because you didn't have that mild amount of alcohol in your system that helps keep the cholesterol from building or yeah. whatever the yeah it, oh my god I don't know 
you know my grandpa <laughs> my great grandpa was like 95 and he died he drank like he was an alcoholic straight up alcoholic and uh he wow. drank every day and he lived to be that old so it's like I don't know, know. Isn't it wild? But... You hear and you hear those stories of those people that smoked three packs a day their whole life and they live to be ninety-eight and you know, like without yeah, ever dying wild. of any kind of lung disorder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like exactly. which, which is gonna kill me faster is what I'm yeah. thinking. This is where my mind goes. Which is gonna kill me faster? Uh the stress that I have to <laughs> deal with that I don't have something to stop that voice in my head and shut yeah. it up or the actual alcohol. Which one is going to kill me first? Yeah, it's tough. Don't I know. know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, we make all these justifications to ourselves too. You know, we all do it. Yeah. Yeah. I can but, say that know, I've had two, I've had two separate relatives who have died from alcoholism um they literally drank themselves to death via beer because it was cheap and they could have they could afford it and they would they would buy like a 12 pack or more like a couple of 12 packs daily like yeah. it wouldn't and and they would have to do it all over again day after day after day it was just you know a constant stream of of 12 packs of beer and they would just consume them all. Like, like they could do two, like 24 beers in a day. Um, and you know, the ending is not pretty for that. It's like when you're dying of liver failure, first of all, I I don't know what it's like in other countries, but here in, here in the U S they will not put you on a transplant list if you're an addict of any kind. Right. So you have no way out at that point. Like you can, they'll tell you, you can slow your drinking down to kind of stave it off longer to, you know, hopefully have um, a lesser immediate effect and to live a little bit longer. But once, once your liver starts to go, you know, that's, that's it for you. And um, (laughs) so, and, and it's, it's just a painful, horrible, like one of them chose to put themselves in a medical coma for the, for the last uh, couple weeks of their life because it's so painful to go through and not even morphine will take the pain away. It's just like, it's a really awful way to go. So I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. So if anyone out there is thinking, oh my gosh, that sounds like what I do for fun or what, or to relax or whatever, like you just, you know, maybe go to a doctor and rethink it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You've got to, you know, at least, at least I can say for myself that I, I have guardrails. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't overdo it. I don't, ev- I don't drink to get drunk. Like I can't remember mm-hmm. the last time. Oh yes. I can remember the last time I was. Shit. <laughs> uh, it's because I'm a rock musician and I was on tour. No judging. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that was, but when I'm at home, never, never, ever. And, um, I, if I ever saw myself drinking like six beers a night or something, I'd be like, I need to check myself in somewhere. That's Mm -hmm. not okay. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. If, if you're, if you're doing, I think if you're doing anything excessively, you Mm -hmm. need, you need help. Like you need to be able to 
control that. And if you can't, Mm -hmm. that's where it's a substance abuse disorder, a substance uh, usage disorder. And um, unfortunately, people with ADHD are quite, you know, we're, we're more likely to have substance use disorders than, you know, the average population. And uh, there was this one study that was being done and they, uh, they had done this study about substance use disorder. They used uh, over 800 participants and uh, many of them were not tested for ADHD before. So they did ADHD testing on the group that they were doing that that they were studying and 38% of them came back with a positive diagnosis for ADHD. Wow. wow. 38%. Yeah, that's that's a big chunk. Yeah. So, you know, there is something about the ADHD brain that makes us crave something to hit that dopamine button because mm-hmm. our brains don't do it for us. Yep. But substances yeah. do that. They do. And <laughs> so, so so does gambling for some people. So does, True. you know, video games or mm-hmm. doing anything mm-hmm. that's uh, addictive behavior, That anything that can be classified as an addictive behavior. It's going to push that dopamine button in our brains and our brains are like, yes, mm-hmm. I've been waiting for this. This is great. Yeah. And <laughs> then we end up totally fucked. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's like, does it have something to do with the impulse control issue? Because we're not oh. as yeah. able to like, you know, control that. That's why I brought it up in the last episode that we did on impulse control. Oh, yeah, that's right. because, yeah, because <laughs> they do go together. Like abuse and impulse, impulsive behavior goes together because, you know, uh, I was reading on the subreddit, one one of the ladies who uh, answered, she said she was addicted to sweets. And she was like, yeah, it's the impulsivity. I just like, you know, pull into the driveway at 45 miles per hour to, because I saw a donut shop sign. And it's like, <laughs> yes, I, 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 I get that. Like, I feel that because I'll be grocery shopping. I'm just like grocery shopping and I'll see like uh, a can of alcohol. And I'm just like, yeah, that's good. Yep. And you know, <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. And then I try it, and then I try it, and I don't like it because it was sweet. But it was just like mm. an impulse buy. Oh yeah, oh, you know, all the time. I see it. Yeah, I and I'm like, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I <got> it. <laughs> yeah. but. Yeah. So it's, you know, even for me last night, I was like, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. And then I opened the fridge to get something out and I saw my beer and I was like, yeah. And I just like, without even thinking about it, it was popped. And I was like, oh, damn it. But then Mm. I did, I was able to stop myself, you know, after, but luckily, but you know, it's, it's just that impulsive. And it's also a routine. Yeah. Yeah. It's a ritual mm-hmm. kind of too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Dude. It, I mean, I, I'm no scientist, but I think you're probably fine with your two drink a night <laughs> rule. You know, like that, that sounds to me like, you know, a good, good moderation. Really. But that's like but, heavy. That's like super heavy drinking compared. Uh, like yeah. if you look up the uh, online, the uh, whatever that alcoholic 
anonymous guidelines or yeah the health guidelines on it do they really know i mean i don't don't know (laughs) and i think i think that you you know some people are genetically predispositioned to have issues with alcohol or have issues with substances Mm -hmm. and yeah you know some people yeah i mean for some people it could be like every time they drink alcohol their body has a a, yeah an inflammation inflammatory reaction that's stronger than what (laughs) normally is and uh it's causing you know your the body to basically break down inside and you know because they have this one gene or something but i don't know and And, i don't know if i have that yeah also i think i have that because like when i drink i get like heat rash just random random heat rash like Mm. and it and it's funny because like at first it's not even as soon as it hits my tongue or anything so it's not like the substance itself is you know an allergy that's on like it's not a skin thing um i have to ingest it and then wait until it starts being broken down and i can tell when i'm starting to metabolize it because i'll instantly start to get a partial headache um like like just a low grade headache and heat rash on my chest neck sometimes my arms sometimes like a lot of times my face um and i'll look look like i'm really huh do you get a a stuffy stuffy nose nose? you know i maybe i should try it try again (laughs) and try to figure that out i i don't think so i see that's the problem with me is sometimes i ignore certain kinds of discomfort and pain and i'm really good at it so like i've walked Mm -hmm. around on broken toes all day before realizing i had a broken toe kind of thing (laughs) like so yeah i know I'm it sounds odd. like inflammation. It sounds like inflammation that is yeah. happening to you. Yeah. yeah sure. So I don't process yeah. it right. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Also, the shitty thing about alcohol is that it doesn't really have any like redeeming qualities, unfortunately. You know, like except um, that it makes I mean, you happy. Yeah. I mean, didn't they all didn't they find out like red wine's really not as great as people thought it was? I thought I read that recently. So yeah. Well, yeah, they, I mean, they used but, to think it was I mean, better than white wine. And and right. it turns out they're both they're <laughs> both about the same. Yeah, well, all just, alcohol is the same, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just sounds like there's not really any like good yeah. good things for you. A little bit of alcohol can reduce your risk of heart disease. Oh, okay. A little bit. A uh, little bit. Yeah. The, yeah. They, like, there's been lots of studies on that, and um, but it's not like to such a substantial amount that it would be like, mm-hmm. oh my god. But then if you drink, if you <laughs> over drink, then you're at a higher risk for heart disease. So, I mean, where do you find the balance? And I don't think the balance is enough. Yeah. How do you find balance yeah. with this sort of thing? Like, for people listening, how would they know if they have a problem or not, or if they're fine? How do we know that? Is it because we feel guilty, or <laughs> I guess we just need well, to I, be accountable with each other? I think if you... I think if if it's interrupting your daily life, if it's if it's inter if if using this thing or having this behavior, if it's affecting you uh, money wise, if it's affecting your ability to work, if it's a uh, your family life, if it's affecting your ability to live your life daily, then I would say that that it, it, it has become a problem at that point okay also Mm -hmm. if you feel like you know it like if you're if you're using too much and then you're having withdrawals 
symptoms if you don't uh that would be another mm. very clear sign that you might have a problem sure that makes sense i also think maybe taking into account like decisions that you make cuz even though even though like i've never truly struggled with substance abuse or addiction like i've noticed in other people I've been around, there's a certain pattern of decision making where it's where it's like, you know, maybe they're struggling. Let's say they're struggling financially and they go to the store and they know that their kids, you know, they need cereal for the morning or something. And instead of doing that, they have to sit there and fight with themselves in the grocery store about. But I need I need my six pack of beer, you know, like. So if you're having that kind of discussion with yourself where it's like something that would normally, you know, pre alcohol, (laughs) it it would be kind of a cut and dried decision like, gee, food for my kids or a six pack of beer. And if if you're really struggling with that decision, like, oh, but I really want it, then, you know, maybe that's also an indicator. Also, if you're having reckless behavior because you're using Hmm. Oh, sure. yeah. Yeah, there is a behavioral component. I've I've also noticed that in a couple of people, actually, where like they didn't like they, they wouldn't have checked any other boxes for it. But whenever they would drink, they wouldn't be able to stop drinking. And then their behavior would be completely out of control, like as if right. they were a completely different person. Um, and, it you know, it was, it's just such a shocker when you see it sometimes like, wow, they never do that. Like, <laughs> then maybe that's also a thing. That's a really interesting thing because like my, my husband and my, my daughter, like uh, my older daughter, uh, they'll say like, yeah, you don't really change when you, and my friends too, you don't, you don't change when you drink and that's weird. (laughs) And uh, my husband, (laughs) my husband goes, yeah, you chill more, but you get more argumentative sometimes, which is true because, uh, I don't, when somebody says something, I don't really, uh, like share my opinion freely because I've been in relationships in the past where my opinion was not welcome or accepted. Mm. And, uh, so I learned to shut up and then, uh, <laughs> with alcohol, I just, I, I feel a little bit more like, Oh, I can, <laughs> I can say what I actually think. The filter so- goes off. <laughs> Yeah, but not to the point where it's like, I, I don't get in a fight. I don't, I'm not like an angry drunk but or anything. I'll just, I, I'm just more free to share how I feel about things. Yeah. Like, uh, yes, yeah. yesterday I was telling my husband and I don't talk about like my mental health at all with my husband for the most part. As, like, but uh, mm-hmm. last night I was like, yeah, I think I might be suffering a little bit of like seasonal affective disorder. Cause I really, I really, really, really hate winter and I can't like wake up. I'm sleepy all the time. I don't want to, I don't want to do anything. I have no ambition to do anything. I just want to sleep. And, uh, he was like, Whoa, well, that's new. And I'm like, actually it's <laughs> not <laughs> this is kind of a yearly behavior. And so, and, and my alcohol use and my, my, I feel like I need it more in the winter than I feel like I need it any other time of year. And so that's why, uh, especially right now, I have my two drink rule and I'm like, I'm doing really well right now. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Yeah. Proud of you. Proud of you. And also yeah. proud of you. Proud of you for sharing that with your husband, too. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uncomfortable, because, especially because Japanese people don't have like the greatest uh, impression of like mental health and 
you know, sharing your mental struggles. So, but my husband's is kind of unique. My husband is much more Westernized than a lot of people. So he's, he's kind of like, oh, that sucks. Maybe you should uh, hang out with your friends and do a podcast and do the podcast more because you always (laughs) seem happy when you do that. Yeah. Excellent advice. (laughs) We like to keep it real here. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm, in looking at the uh, suggestions from people on Reddit, like how do you how do you control it or how did you overcome it? The majority of people said that either I I don't feel like it's necessarily a problem because it isn't to that point, but I do feel like I need it, which kind of like you two kind of said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, there was like medication helped me, mm-hmm. and uh, you know mm-hmm. getting my Med, med dosage, correct, really helped a lot. Or uh, what my meds don't cover, the weed kind of covers. And so it, I'm oh, not yeah. over abusing it. I just feel like I need it for this purpose. And I feel like I can relate to that so much because it's like you're not overdoing it, mm-hmm. but you kind of need it. Like, and I, I'm not, I, yeah. I'm not medicated. I, it's really hard to get medicated in Japan, and you know, I'm for ADHD. Yeah. yeah, and, uh, but I'm functioning, and so, you know, I don't think, I, I, I don't think meds are are gonna be a way that I could deal. But I, I, so I'm not sure what I should do. I can't <laughs> do meditation because my brain doesn't shut up. I could probably be, I could probably do meditation if I was drunk. <laughs> you know, you, you might try mm. like meditated, meditative movement, like Tai Chi or meditative walking. Like that's a I thing. I can't do yoga either. Oh, what about, really? Have you, have you ever tried guided meditations where there's somebody like talking you through it? Those help me. Cause if I try to really? meditate by myself, I just kind of mm-hmm. get bored. Yeah. Oh, but guided yeah. meditations, they're everywhere. Yeah, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, My I husband and that. I actually yeah, do guided yeah. meditations every night before bedtime because my husband has a really hard time shutting his brain off and like transitioning between different modes of life. So like in the morning, it's hard for him to like put himself in work mode because he was not in work mode before. And then in the afternoon when he's taking a break for, for lunchtime, it's hard for him to get out of work mode and into a relaxation mode. And the same thing after he gets done too, it's like really hard for him to switch it up. So, um, having him practice meditation every single night, um, with me, like, well, first of all, I think it's just kind of a cool bonding experience that you're, you know, sitting there doing it together. But also um, it it has different effects like for each of us, like for him, it um, it seems to help him go from one part of life to another a little bit more smoothly um, over time, especially like once he's been doing it for a while, like we fell out of doing this for a while and we just more recently started it back up. And for me, it helps me kind of maintain a focus for longer because I'm one of those people who, you know, the meds don't cover all of the symptoms. <laughs> so yeah. I have to find creative ways to deal with the rest of them. And um, guided meditations really do help. Even How does it help you it ADHD-Y? Um, well, you know, it, it kind of helps like you know how you keep saying like my my brain is everywhere and I don't know how to shut it off. Mm-hmm. Well, 
eventually, after several tries of going through the the guided meditations, it, it can be kind of a slow process to get into. But after a bit, you do learn to shut your brain off and put yourself in a meditative state. And it feels like such an amazing break. And what's cool about it is like there's no after effects. So if you're doing if you are like me and like to smoke marijuana products or or, you know, do any other mode of marijuana um, to help your ADHD symptoms, you won't have like the lingering high. So it's something that you could do at the beginning of the day if you're about to go to work and you're like, oh, I feel like I've just taken a mental vacation before I even started my day. And it like has this whole refreshing aspect to it as if you've gone on like a little mini vacation. Um, and that helps me sustain my my mental and emotional load over the day because I have the emotional, the emotion dysfunction uh, component of ADHD. So a day's worth of emotions is a lot for me. <laughs> like mm -hmm. that's probably the number one cause of me being an, an introvert is because like other people's emotions, I feel them. My own emotions, I feel them double. <laughs> like it just, yeah. it's really kind You're of empath. Yeah, it it kind of kind of stinks because you know all of it comes across so strongly, and I have to learn how to, I had to learn how to mask that so that I look like a normal human being, and I'm not crying every day, every 10 minutes, like, <laughs> or whatever, because mm -hmm. it's just so much, it's too intense. So I have a pretty good tolerance for it now. And um, meditation actually helps keep me in a more like emotionally stable feeling state. Have, if have you sense. guys heard of the music therapy for neurodivergent people? It like has the panning uh, across uh, sound movements. Ooh, Have you no. ever heard that? Yeah, you use it with this. Oh, this it feels like a brain massage, you guys. It's great. I'm oh. gonna send you a link because yes, like this we is need to so put the cool link in in the in the in the uh, description too. You know, I keep saying I'm gonna put links in the description, and I always forget to do it. <laughs> oh. I'm so sorry, listeners. ADHD. If I say that, oh my God. send me a message, yeah. guys. Send me a message and be like, "Dude, where's the link?" Because yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I have a, yeah, I, yeah. I, we have ADHD. You know, ADHD email us or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, this uh, sound therapy, it, it pans, like the sound pans from one side of the, uh, your ears to the other. So the sound is constantly moving. So it's like pulling you all, mm. a, a, along with it. It's so cool. I tried it the other night with my headphones and I was like, wow. whoa, and I was just sitting there. And then I, I forgot that it was <laughs> on my laptop. And I was just like, and then I shut my laptop because I was done working and it stopped. And I was like, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, that sounds great. Awesome. Yeah, oh, that's really cool. Really cool. Yeah, it's um, but a lot of research has been showing that, you know, it activates all, all, a lot of different parts of the brain, which is something that, you know, creates dopamine reactions and is really good for neurotypical uh, divergent people. So uh, oh, it's something free that dopamine, nice. everybody. Yeah, it's 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 supposed to be very stimulating. So uh, there's lots of different huh. ones on YouTube, like videos and stuff. But I'll send you the one that I uh, that I looked at with the article that I read about it, and it was really cool. So huh. I think that we're gonna wrap up this this uh, mm -hmm. discussion today. 
by, you know, just saying, you know, we get it. We understand why, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we, we, we know why you use the things you do and why you feel the way you do and why you feel like you need to do the things you do. And, Mm -hmm. uh, we hear you. Yeah, we struggle too. And, you know, Mm -hmm. at least in some of this discussion, there was, you know, some really good points about some things that could possibly help so that it doesn't become an addictive behavior or get out of, uh, get out of control. And, Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of what we really want to push here is using substances is not bad in and of itself. It's the lack of control that Mm -hmm. where it can Mm -hmm. become an issue. And so if you feel that you are exceeding the boundaries of your control, you might need to look elsewhere and get some help or uh, find some therapeutic things that you can do to help you. And, you know, join me in my journey as I try to, you know, keep the guardrails on myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have any closing words? I would just say if anybody has any doubt about their ability to control it or their ability to put on effective guardrails, don't hesitate to reach out to your personal doctor or your therapist or both of those people because you can get a lot of really great support from those people. Even if you don't have any other supportive people in your life, you can totally get support from those individuals, even if it's just over the course of a 30 minute to one hour session. And it's, you know, I hate to do the better than nothing thing, but it is better than nothing. Um, And it might just be the thing that allows you to keep those guardrails on <laughs> yeah, yeah that's and t- talking if, if you can't afford therapy you know talk to a friend or someone you trust a family mm-hmm. member you know um i know that we are really good at at not letting other people see our substance abuse sometimes you know we yeah. are good at keeping it mm-hmm. hidden and so your friends probably don't know that you have a problem but they love you and they want to help you and it's good to be vulnerable with our friends sometimes you know like we all yeah. Should just help each other out. And so, you know, re- reach out to someone if you feel like you're struggling. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Mm. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today for Basel Tov, the uh, courage and creativity of ADHD. Yeah. And, that's uh, until next time, we'll see you next week with a brand new episode. And until then, Basel Tov. Basel Tov. Bye, ladies. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.